Welcome back to episode 127 of Fitness Devil Podcast. We've got Danny Sugar back with us. She's an editor at T Nation. And we get into a whole bunch of pop culture stuff, including uh, The Biggest Loser is back on TV after four years. So some thoughts about that. We go over the improvements in women's knowledge of fitness in gen pop gyms. We got uh, some PC culture talk. I won't reveal what. You got to listen to check it out. Uh, some danger of labels, especially things like uh, labeling obesity as a disease and taking people's power and control over their own outcome away from them, uh, how that can be problematic. And uh, the women weights bulky myth, which always keeps popping up. So we talk about that a bit. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fitness Double Podcast. Uh, today we have Danny Sugar back with us. And uh, if you're new to finding us and you didn't hear Danny on with us before, or you've never heard of T Nation before, which God forbid, uh, Danny is an editor at T Nation, uh, and she's also a figure competitor, a very prolific fitness writer, and, uh, and a whole bunch of other really cool things. So it's great to have you back. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's sort of weird looking at a blank screen because usually we have video with our guests, but uh, we just we have audio today, so it's almost throwing us off a little bit. So I can't see. I am so back. sorry. I have a giant zit on my chest, and like oh, I think yeah. this thing keeps coming back <laughs> every time I get rid of it. Look, so like I'm not cute right it's now. It's funny you say like not the zit thing, but like I have this like I'm drinking my like shake this morning. Yeah. And Andrew's like you have like shake over your mustache, and I'm like I'm not usually like super like worried about how I look, but I'm like oh it looks really bad. I couldn't like stop doing because I had no lid. That's why I left and had to get a lid so I didn't look stupid on camera. So like we all go through it. So want purple shake on my face. Well haven't you and, heard the milkshake on mustache trend is really picking up? No is it? Yeah I'm, well no I'm just <laughs> I was like I, I'm not surprised by stuff anymore. Like, it's just like what becomes popular is like I don't get it anymore like I have no idea. You mm. should make it a thing. It, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, what you know? It's funny. What what do we talk about? It's been like so long, but it's like it's interesting. The more we do this, is like we had you on like I want to say like a year ago. That's probably about a, a year. Ago. Over a year, yeah. And because like, it seems like I, so much changes. Well, it's funny you know, mentioning a year because yesterday it showed up my Facebook feed that was the first anniversary of my first article published on Teen Nation, which is you had before that you had asked me to come and contribute, which was like holy shit, cool. So yeah, it's been a, a yeah. year probably because we had you on the podcast around that time too. So yeah, yes. it's been a little over a year. So, I had to pester you a little bit though. Because you, you <laughs> talked about how much you loved Teen Nation, and then I looked through your posts, and I saw that you were a good writer, and you were excited, you had energy, and I, I remember being like, just do it, just do it, but you were kind of nervous about it, so uh, I'm really glad you did. That's good. No. Like, that's good. No, I, I, was, I was honored you asked. It, it was more like, I, my attitude towards it was like, I'm proud of the fact that I was asked instead of like submitted a bunch of shit that got rejected and then finally like, oh, this looks good enough. It's yeah, like, but I knew you it. had it in you. <laughs> and, uh, but I think what I had said was I felt like I needed the, to earn the right to do it, which is kind of a funny sentiment for someone who's been in the industry yeah. over nine years now. Um, and that's why I say this stuff to a lot of, uh, you know, up and coming trainers who are trying to start writing. I encourage a lot of people to start their own blogs because, you know, fuck, like it's very much the opposite of my own worries there is, you know, you don't have to have earned it in that capacity. You yeah. just have to 
you have to begin and don't worry about what like senior successful people in the industry think about what you're writing you're not writing to impress them because they're not going to buy from you they're not your audience but there's going to be someone out there who you are their go-to fitness resource you know your earliest followers on your social media your friends your, your yeah. network and you're doing them a disservice and yourself a disservice by not putting your ideas out there and sharing them so for me it was a yeah. big honor to be basically the year he grew he grew so much <laughs> what's so what, cool what what does it look like for an editor in a year like so like we haven't caught up with you in a while but like like do things like evolve like how, how are things evolving for you i guess so to speak at teenation uh, that's such a good question i've never been asked that before Ooh. but yeah. um so like for me i have a problem i have a hard time producing material when I'm consuming it. So if I'm busy editing a lot of other people's articles, I don't really have a whole lot to say because I'm thinking about their thoughts, you know, and how to make it sound good, how to make it read well. Um, so it's, it's often kind of hard for an editor to come up with ideas. And I know that there are tons of prolific writers who are editors already. So that's just a me issue probably. So um, for me, it's like, I enjoy learning from other coaches. I enjoy reading their material. Um, I don't really have a hot topic on my mind right now that I feel the, the urge to get out there. I have a couple ideas that I've been playing around with, but I'm like, I'm not solid in those enough to make those an article. And so that's kind of what has evolved for me uh, is that I'm not, I'm not hyper passionate about any specific thing that I need readers to know right now. And that's kind of what determines what I write. Which is crazy. Cause like, like, it's not like you're not doing anything like editing. Like that's, that's part of your job is like doing other people's shit too. Yeah. Is, consuming other people's information yeah. is a, is a big part of it. And I guess, you know, when I look at uh, my coworkers, they do edit and write their own material. And I'm like, how do you do that? That's mind blowing because it's hard for me to come up with, um, you know, original ideas on my own when I'm consuming other people's ideas. And it's like, I'm thinking about that. And so it's hard for me to like formulate my own thoughts as far as fitness goes. I, I'm going to return to this thought later. I sort of, I sort of have a theory and I may be wrong. And may, these may be absolutely what you're pushing for, but I sometimes suspect the uh, T Nation, make sure you write something that's going to be really politically incorrect because the guys are, are scared to death of a the fallback on a male, whereas you might be able to get away with a little bit more. Oh, oh my I don't goodness. know if that's true or, true or not, but. That's very interesting because I've never thought about the perspective of people looking in and considering what we write. Um, I am not trying to be controversial when I write an article. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to rile anyone up. In fact, I prefer to not make waves. I am the most unaggressive person in person that you'll ever meet. I don't want to fight with people. So when I come out with an article that pisses a lot of people off, it's not because I wanted to piss a lot of people off. It's because I had something on my heart and in my mind, and I needed to share that information. And I felt like T Nation was a good place to do it. But I'm not really trying to make waves. It just sometimes happens. Well, I know that. The minds behind T-Day should like the waves for sure. Uh, I, we're going to come back to that one, but I definitely wanted to see how things have been going with uh, your guys' own venture into podcasting with Fit Pants with, uh, with your husband, Chris. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Fit Pants is kind of like 
what we wanted to do, we just wanted to have fun. We wanted to do a thing on our own that, that we didn't have to get paid. Like it doesn't earn a paycheck. We're just doing it for fun. And we have ideas and discussions on our mind that don't really fit into an article. They don't really, you know, we want to discover, um, we want to discover what the other one thinks and delve into these topics, but it's not really an article. So we wanted to just, I don't know, have a hobby. <laughs> so that's kind of why we started our podcast. It's been a lot of fun. It's been totally unserious, totally, I don't want to say flippant because we do get into some topics that are a little bit more serious, but, um, it's mostly lighthearted fitness talk. And I've noticed that, uh, the, like when we had Chris on the podcast, the stuff we drew out of him, because that was definitely one of the least politically correct podcasts we ever had. <laughs> it was a little different version of them, a little yes. more uncensored than the, than the stuff I think you guys have been posting up too, but it's actually really good. It's, it's definitely fun. You know, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which sometimes fitness podcasts can be guilty of. When we got into this uh, with Andy, we just had Andy on, Andy, it's Andy McCloy, right? Andy McCloy. Andy McCloy. But like in terms of like content and like you're saying you're sitting through a lot of content, people like automatically assume it's writing or like Instagram posts and podcasts are a medium which like you can get a lot of stuff out, especially if you're not good at writing. Like not yeah. everyone's going to be able to write like you or Andrew or any of the people that you're bringing on. So like there are options and it's, it can be more than a hobby too. Like it, some of these hobbies just turn into something that you didn't even expect. Like with ours, right. thing, like we didn't expect shit. And now we're, now this is our form of content. I'll give you an example. It's kind of cool. I actually wanted to shout out and thank uh, anyone who's part of the Precision Nutrition community who actually said our podcast name because someone, uh, one of the executives within PN sent me a message going, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so from PN, you know, we're this coaching company, like list, up, list all this stuff off. And like, don't worry, we, I know we, you are. We, po we polled our, our community and your podcast came up a whole bunch of times. So this is fucking Precision Nutrition here, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm like, uh, I got your certification. Like, I love you guys. This is great. Right. They're so, amazing. And they're hoping that, uh, and absolutely, we've been looking to get, you know, one or two of their, their higher level people on to talk about some of the stuff they're really great at. So that's something that we'll work on in your future. But I just want to say thank you to, to our listeners who are part of that community who gave that feedback. That, that's really cool. That is cool. really cool. I love precision nutrition. But like, that's the idea of like content is like whatever, whatever your thing is can turn into that content let's, piece. let's take this in another direction i mean you know pn was founded by dr john berardi and he's yes. an old school writer of your guys right he's part of your yeah. original found I, I don't know if he's an original original but like very very early on and you know massively influential now but you know maybe we couldn't have anticipated when you guys first had his first articles there what he would have turned into what he would have built so it's kind of cool to see that it is definitely Let's talk Biggest Loser. It's back on TV after four years. Oh, really? gosh. Yeah. Where I, like, I don't have TV. It's actually I don't watch the shit either, but... I want to watch it now. So I was, I was digging through some stuff, and I want to see, okay, what can we ask Andy? And you know, several years ago, I think it was probably around four years ago when it, just, when it went off the air, you wrote an article, The Biggest Lies of the Biggest Loser. And uh, our industry loves to shit on this show. Yeah. But... You know, what are you, what are your thoughts, you know, I mean, then and now about the problem with this show and sensationalized fat loss drama? Well, I think anytime you gamify weight loss, I, it's just never going to be a good idea because think about it, like making 
weight loss into a competition of who can do it the fastest. Now, I don't know exactly what their current, what their newest show looks like. So I can't really comment on that yet until I've seen it. (laughs) But I just, I, I kind of cringe thinking about, um, turning fat loss into a competition because I don't know if that can ever be a thing that's healthy. Like, can that be a thing that's healthy? I mean, maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I'm not counting on it. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily dangerous for the outside viewer because I think a lot of the outside viewers are more knowledgeable these days. And I don't want to, um, not give them credit for that. You know, most of them know, okay, losing fat as fast as possible is usually not the smartest thing. Um, but you know, who knows? Who knows? They had a study, like, like a, like a legit study on like a lot. I don't know how many people they pulled, but I think it was like a hundred and it might be wrong with my numbers, but they did the, the biggest loser participants. And then they saw them long-term and I want to say five, 10 years after like where they're at. And yeah. like, there wasn't that many successful people that maintained it because essentially they dropped their RMR so drastically right. in the show that they never actually recovered that. And like, it took them years and then they just fucking boom, their weight spiked after. And <sighs> so like, it didn't even work long-term, which would be like what most people that are going fat loss. They don't want to just lose weight. And, then, you know, and you would I, hope I, that the new producers, the new creators of the new show would have seen that study and realized the drawbacks. So I don't know what they're possibly doing to make this version better, but let's hope that they are because like, that sounds like a shit show. I mean, it was a shit show. I like to point out that there's never, they've never had a reunion show for the old (laughs) (laughs) on it. What do I like? What is it like reunion shows for Survivor? You get Boston Rob back in the mix, all this sort of shit. Oh, I love Survivor. Do you watch that? I, I haven't in years, but I love. I actually the early saw episode. Rob on there. I was like, because well, like, he's back. It was on Instagram. And I was like, it's oh, their twenty-year reunion. Not not reunion, but they just started their twenty-year uh, season. Uh, and I watched it last night with my husband. Yes, Boston Rob is back, and all the other winners are back. They brought back all the other like winners from old school days because they started in two thousand, the year two thousand. Rudy, Rudy just died from season one, which is kind of sad. I and know. I wonder, did they have uh, Rupert? Because Rupert didn't win, but he was one of the most popular. He ones. was the fan favorite. Yeah. Um. They didn't have him back, but they. But this was is a season about like winners coming back. Okay. So it's kind of cool because it's all these idols. Um, Maybe that's yeah. a better weight loss strategy. Like just like just, just go on Survivor. I remember <laughs> they, they all they all look pretty good based I on the. Can't like, remember video. the name of the guy from season two, and they were in Africa, and he's this uh, oh. uh, soccer player, curly oh. black hair. Oh, what the fuck's his name? He was really Calvin? cool. Calvin. No. They they brought him back. Yes. They like, brought him back. He is a cancer survivor now, yeah, and he's like absolutely. he's an older guy, um, super handsome, and I'm stoked about this. I didn't mean to like derail this conversation. No, the survivor. They're, like, they're in their 40s now because they usually get like at the at that time they were getting like younger people. They had a few older people, but like yeah, they'd be yeah. all like 40, 50. Now. But it still speaks to the pop culture relevancy of not only a show like Survivor but a show like The Biggest Loser and how it permeates our society. And so while I agree with you that I think there's a lot of people that are more enlightened about what really should go on with nutrition, I also think there's gonna be a fairly substantial part of the audience 
that is much more easily fooled by misleading claims. I mean, we still have, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry that people get sucked into based on rapid fat loss claims. So well, and there's the still a lot it. of people out there who are really vulnerable to this message. So what's the way they did it? Cause like the biggest loser, they basically, they basically not started the myth, but like they really bolstered it. They that, really perpetuated like, it. You can yeah. out exercise a shitty diet or like you can use exercise to fucking expend this many calories and it'll work long term. And like, that's just not proven to be the case. The really big message, the lesson is people are smart enough to realize if you take someone out of their environment yeah. and you put them under extreme conditions short term, but you don't do anything to change the environment, the lifestyle for the long term, you drop them back into their old environment, they are going to regain exactly. all the Right. So unless yeah. it's based in education, uh, these short-term strategies simply will not work. My favorite was the one they did at home. Like they always have, I've watched this shit way too much clearly, um, <laughs> but they, they'd always have the people who did it at home and yeah. they'll like bring someone back. And like even one of the Stronger You coaches was one of those, um, anyways, long story short is like they like they seemed that they had it the right way because they were just doing it at home and they just kind of changed their environment they weren't fucking doing fitness competitions doing water cuts to, to drop 10 pounds in a week to not get voted on the trial oh my that's gosh really that's like, right remember yeah. they used to do that right they the uh, jillian michaels used to give them like diuretics yeah. to make them lose weight faster during the uh, weigh-ins right that's what the dudes would always win because they had a bigger fat storage system and they would just drop water like crazy there's, there's, this is going to be a provocative statement there's a special hell for that woman for doing crap like that oh well that's yeah. the underlying issue is money talks she's rich now and so we're like like a lot of those contestants were like motivated by money so what's the answer how do we you know because i'm a big proponent of not just shitting on the stupid crap but actually proposing solutions so Right. Well, I believe in personal responsibility. You know, we don't have any, you, you can't save everyone. Everyone is, every adult is responsible for his and her own body. Right. So, um, naturally if you, I hate saying this cause it sounds insensitive, but if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yep. You know, if you're going to do things to your body that you kind of know are not going to be healthy in the long run, then, you should be prepared for the consequences of that. That's the first time I've heard, not the, that's the second time I've heard that um, phrase. It was actually one of my nutrition clients. Phrase. One of my nutrition clients was saying, and we were talking, I was using one of my stories about how like I'm fucked up and hurt because I was doing powerlifting after my football career, which I had surgery. And anyways, I was like, yeah, it's, I'm like real stupid, but I got strong. He's like, yep, stupid, stupid competitions give you stupid prizes. I'm like, oh, that's so true. <laughs> Yeah, but, and I knew I was doing it the whole time. I'm like, this is stupid, and then I'm not. I'm surprised that I had a stupid outcome. Like, <laughs> this made me the title of the episode. So be prepared for that. <laughs> but that is the biggest loser, not the biggest loser. But like, I guess shitting on it's tough because like people don't think it's stupid. But like, if you look at the extremes of which they go through, they get extreme results, and then like at the end, it's like it's just as extreme. Like I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to succeed, to be honest. I don't, so I'm not like outraged about it because, no. you know, even if it does succeed, I'm still not outraged about it. I just think that like everyone should take care of his and her own body, regardless of what's showing on TV, you well, know? I wonder what four years does. Cause like, if you think back to like, and that's why it's kind of cool to talk evolution and writing all this stuff, but like the evolution of social media and Facebook and all this stuff and like TV being not as relevant. I don't even know if it's going to have as big of an impact as it did when it first came out. Cause when it first exactly. came out, 
you had to watch it because it was on primetime television. It was a big thing. Like yeah. everyone waited for TV shows and like, that's not the same world anymore. So no, you're right. To see what the actual impact of it. Cause I never even heard about it. And like, I know when it first came out, that's all you hear about is like, Oh, did you hear loss comes out? Oh, did you hear biggest loser on Wednesday or whatever? And like, we're not in the same world. So I don't even know. If There's it's a lot be- less importance on the big network television. Bullshit. Outside of things like, I mean, obviously game of Thrones or, uh, Walking Dead, you get these sensational big things, but less and less we are tied to what is on television, on network television, on a Thursday night as must see TV. There's, you know, obviously the internet has changed that. Would be interesting to see the numbers on it, like to see if it's the same impact that it has been, because like they're still doing Survivor, so it's obviously making money. <laughs> yeah, and I'm never gonna give up Survivor. By the way, I love it so much. <laughs> it's like all the that's a good example of it, though. You're not gonna give up Survivor, and like. I've watched Survivor, but like we all grew up, it's like uh-huh. is the new generation being impacted by the Biggest Loser, and I I don't know if that's the case. Well, I uh, yeah, believe, I know. I do believe that a, the youngest generation of like you know certainly the twenty somethings now, because of and I'm going to say I think Instagram in this particular way is having a positive effect. They have more access to better information if they choose to follow the right people. And yes. in gyms, I know I've said this a couple times on air, but in gyms, I look around and I see a lot more competency in, in quality exercise uh, form and behavior in commercial gym settings than we saw 10 years ago. And I broke it down a little bit. I'm like, well, the old guys aren't doing anything different. They're still doing the, the same dumb eagle looking bullshit. And then the younger guys are still running in packs and you know, still doing all the bodybuilder bro stuff. And some of it's good and some of it's stupid. And the older women, they're a bit more present because you know they're being encouraged to work out. And I realized that it was actually the younger women that were the ones that overwhelmingly were much more prevalent in the gym and they knew what they were doing. And yeah. it, that population that has really learned and grown and become a lot more comfortable in gym settings. So yes. I nutrition too. Amen. I've, it's so cool because I go to a gym that has a lot of like older, older generations, but there are women in their late twenties or early thirties, right around my age. And it's like inspiring. I love working out among other women who know what they're doing. And it like, it gets me motivated to work out. And I don't know, I hope that I'm doing the same for them. I don't want to interrupt their workout and ask, (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) I hope that I'm motivating you. (laughs) I I think that you, especially as, you know, I think you would easily be the most prominent female writer for Teen Nation. I know you guys have others, but um, you probably don't even understand the number of women who do read Teen Nation who were influenced by your message and the random gyms that they are all over you know, North America and, and beyond, you probably actually worked out alongside of some woman who has read your work and had no idea it was you. Well, you know, I got, once in a while, um, a woman will come up to me and say, say something like, I tried your brownie recipe that was on Teenage. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that is super cool. The, yeah. I like to actually, like, you're right about the new generational thing. It's, I was, it was actually yesterday I was doing a bro workout <laughs> i'm part of that generation but so there, was, but there was uh, yeah and it's like you you totally pegged it right but like i find all the newer like the younger females compared to the younger males are like they're doing like hip thrusts and smith so they've taken the time to go learn some of these exercises and the dudes are still doing the same dumb shit it's like yeah. really what's not evolving because like i'm here to i think the the fitness influencer types even the ones that we might malign they're actually sharing and doing a lot of 
really legitimate booty stuff anyway. So that stuff's <laughs> everywhere. Right? Like you yeah. still have to learn the nuances of like movement to like do some of these things. So it's interesting seeing that they're using different types of equipment because as a male, whatever, but like all they're like bench press, biceps, um, leg press, very few deadlifts, but like they're doing the same shoulder circuit everywhere. And like, there's all these women doing everything in the gym. I'm like, Oh man, these, these girls are gonna get in way better shape. Cause I didn't do legs till I was like 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but that's a big thing. Like I'm missing half my body and I'm sure I'm not sure all guys are like that, but there's a large portion of that bro group that like they got skinny legs and they're only working on arms and chest. If, if I'm in a commercial gym and I see guys, any guys are they're in the squat rack and setting up a squat i usually kind of look for a second and, <laughs> and I, sadly i'm still often very sort of disappointed or, or entertained or both with what i see and i feel bad and i'm like oh uh -huh. fuck ah oh, no i'm not gonna go fucking say it no, yeah but so this is another thing this is whatever this is observational offense but like i'll do the same thing i'll see some dude going into the squat rack. i'm like fuck i gotta watch this like this is gonna be scary and it usually is, I would say about like 70% of the time, it's like, uh, you should not squat. But then the girls, girls are generally way better at it. Way better. And it's, it's interesting because you, not that you would assume that, but like dudes think they know everything about lifting. And I would say a lot of them don't because they're just meatheads. And they're, they're just mashing oh. ridiculous weights for no reason. And then there's these females that are just like, they deadlift perfectly and they're squatting perfectly. I'm like, you guys need to teach all these dudes. I love <laughs> I love seeing a couple go in there and the girl knows what she's doing and the guy does I see that all, so that's another, I don't know. Wow. I see that so often now. It's like some girl coming to their boyfriend and she's like doing way better than him. It's just like, it's like, it's great. Uh, poor guy. <laughs> it was good. But you know, I'm, yeah, that makes me, that kind of makes my heart happy because um, I have seen so many in the past, I would, I would feel bad seeing couples go in and then the woman would just follow around her husband or boyfriend and he would tell her do this or do that but it was just like she didn't have any autonomy in the gym and that i don't know it always kind of made me feel bad for her you know which just shows like the the like we talked about evolution and stuff but like things are changing and like what definitely whatever like it, 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 maybe it's changing more for women now maybe it'll change for dudes and whatever but it's just interesting because i think as a whole we can talk about all the dumb shit but they're, as a whole, things are way better. Because I remember going to the gym and it was like, yeah, it'd be like old dudes doing bodybuilding stuff. And like, if I were to go in now with what I know, I would like, I would like cringe. Where like now I don't cringe as much. Like I still cringe, but like it's not my place to say anything. But like I cringe a lot less and there's a lot more <laughs> diversity in the gym than Can there was you before. say the word cringe once more? How many times do you say <laughs> Yeah, because that's like what I'm trying not to do. So it's obviously... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there's way more diversity in yeah. training overall is, it seems better. Maybe I'm just like have a better. No, I totally agree. I, I agree. Yeah. It's really cool what's happening in the gym. Um, okay. We, we're totally not being politically correct or we are being really politically correct. We're good. Um, but T Nation is big on pushing back against political correctness and you're often the tip of the spear um, with articles like quote unquote, drop the body love nonsense, trans athletes, the death of women's sports. So why do you feel it's so important to not allow PC culture um, in our world against? Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't really have an agenda. Like, like I was saying, I don't, I'm not trying to fight against any culture. You know, I don't care. I mean, people can have a different opinion than me and that's fine. I can still be friends with them and I'm happy about that. Like, we don't all have to say, think the same way. And so I, I would hope that other people would grant me the, uh, 
the grace to say what I believe too and have a different opinion and we can both respect each other. But like, I don't really have an agenda. I'm not trying to change the world or anything. I'm just coming across these topics that are, you know, I feel the need to put out there because it's not, it's not being said enough or it's not getting out there. Um, as far as like the, the body love thing, well, I wrote that I think in 2015 and I just had this feeling this movement is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I don't really agree with the direction that it's growing in. So I want to put my opinion out there because, um, I think it needs to be heard and it's okay if it's not the same as everyone else's because right now I think there's a massive trend, um, among people in fitness who are all about body love. And I'm just, I guess I'm not. And so that, that's why I put that out there. The, the one about the trans athletes is, is a thing that I saw coming and getting bigger. And I didn't quite agree with the direction that it was growing in. So I decided to put my opinion out there and I feel like that was a super risky move. And I know that it pissed a lot of people off, but, um, again, you know, I feel like we should be able to communicate our positions without disrespecting people and, you know, be okay with having different perspectives. We usually stay away from that type of topic on the podcast. So I think we'll handle it with a little bit of care and and delicacy here, but I, uh, my belief system generally aligns with yours where what one thing I've noticed is a lot of times people who don't buy into overtly political correct culture, especially in our industry, tend to get real quiet and shut the fuck up because they don't want to push back against a screaming, loud, extremist, far, far left type stuff, which is where this particular thing is coming mm-hmm. from. And what I think I've noticed is pretty much everybody who's reasonable does not support this. And this is one of those places where more and more people are, are not keeping quiet and they're just saying, no, this is bullshit. This, this is not fair to the women who have, you know, trained for a long time, worked really, really hard. It's, it's taking away scholarships. It's taking away medals. It's taking away opportunities. And what do we know about women's sports? They're often underfunded. Women, female athletes aren't paid as much. And, you know, me personally, I, you know, be very careful how I say this, but I simply do not think it's, it's fair for an individual to come in and there are a handful of very high profile cases where, you know, a biological male has transitioned and then is going in and is just destroying the competition uh, in female sports. And people can argue the science all they want. I don't think it's very hard to look at it and go, you get someone who maybe has 10 or 15 years of androgenic male natural hormones and bone structure and training with that bone structure and those hormones yeah and then turning around especially if they have any proficiency at the sport or compete competed against other biological males and then they decide they're going to compete against females and even if there's hormone therapy to change their hormone levels you can't undo 10 to 15 years of training it's like someone who's been on steroids for 15 years that's the exact equivalent and then going natural, okay, now my testosterone and everything else is back to normal. And now I'm going to compete against, you know, in these, in these federations that are, that are tested. It's not the same thing. You can't undo those, all those years of training adaptations under super normal conditions. So you'll, you'll never convince me that, you know, someone doesn't have the advantage of all that added muscle and that bone structure, uh, or, you know, even a male skeleton when they're competing against a biological female. 
and, and I just don't think that's fair. Two other caveats. One <laughs> is if it's combat sports, fuck no. Not a fucking chance, right? When it comes to combat stuff like MMA or whatever, no. I, I'm not even going to listen to that, that argument. Uh, there's no place for it. And now that, that's actually really the main one. I'll let you guys have it. Have I was going to say, like, I don't even know. We're, 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 what's the status on this stuff now? Because like, I haven't heard the body love stuff for a while. And like the trans athlete thing, not, it, has it run its course? Has both of these things run its course? Yeah. No, I, I think that you're not going to see the end of either of those. Well, the thing is, is that like, I don't care if, if I don't, I don't really care if body love becomes a big thing. Cause I said my piece on it, you know, and I'm fine with other people loving their bodies. That's great. That's fine. Um, I just, it's just not a thing that I really understand, I guess. And then the thing about the trans athletes is I don't think we're going to see the end of it until a high, high profile athlete, female athlete, gets beaten by a person who transitioned, uh, and you know, a trans woman. So, um, and I think that could happen at the Olympics, you know, the upcoming Olympics. Is there, is there, have they allowed it? Like, I don't, don't, I'm not totally like behind on it. Like, well, there is, yeah. So there is a, uh, an Olympic weightlifter right now. Oh, what is, I can't remember the name. Laurel. What's that? Laurel Hubbard, probably. Yes. Yeah. Laurel, Laurel, I think got hurt. Uh, and yeah, so that, I think that was an abusive situation where, you know, a very experienced male lifter transitions and then turns around and goes, oh, I'm going to go beat up on a bunch of girls. And, uh, and, and they may very well have truly believed in their soul that they're alone. like, that's is fine. The that's, that I'm cool with. That so the Olympics have allowed uh, basically. Yes. Yeah. So the rule is, and I haven't, gosh, I haven't looked at this for a while, but I think you only have to have been on, uh, different hormones for about a year. And then you can, you know, and, and you have to call yourself the gender that you identify with, uh, for that, at least that amount of time. Um, yeah. All I can think about is Russia would be all over that if they were allowed to be Olympics. Probably not because you keep in mind that most of the countries in the world culturally would not allow or support this at all, right? I mean, North American culture and how pervasive a lot of this political correctness stuff is is very different from what you'll see in a lot of the rest of the world so i don't think a lot of countries would have any sort of tolerance for this whatsoever so i don't think it would be an issue you're probably going to see it with an american uh, athlete first that's interesting and then imagine the reaction of countries like russia or china or you know middle eastern countries that culturally they probably aren't going to be as accepting of this sort of thing so that's where i think things could get really interesting yeah and and we'll see how it unfolds. I mean, uh, there are states that are taking action against it and stating that, okay, if you are a male high school student, you can't just suddenly identify as female and compete against females in track and, and uh, all these other sports. And that was a massive issue in like Connecticut when these two high school boys at the peak of their testosterone output, you know, 18 year old boys decide, okay, I'm going to be a girl now. And without taking any type of hormones or anything, they just competed against girls because now they're calling themselves girls. So um, I, th- I think that things are going to be changing because, you know, parents are not going to be wanting to put up with this. Parents of young girls. There were scholarships. So, I remember that story because, like, basically, they just wrecked havoc on that whole scene, and everyone who would have got a scholarship at one or two were now placing three and four. 
which mm -hmm. from the scholarship, like I think that they still got scholarships, but they were like legitimately worried because none of them placed where normally they would have been bumped up two spots because they, they won every event on that. And like, that's their future, like, which is like insane to think because the dudes, I don't think they got the dudes, whatever the transitioning didn't get scholarships. So they kind of took into account, but like, that's murky. I've got another thought too, and this one might be kind of controversial and, and I'm not afraid of getting a little bit of pushback on these thoughts, but I'll just say it as is. I feel like if maybe a bar that we should at least set is if someone has not had gender reassignment surgery, it shouldn't even be a conversation. And that would probably stomp out 98% of this. Yeah. Well, and that yeah. used to be a rule for the Olympics. Really? Uh, there used to, you used to be, have to, you used to have to have a gender reassignment surgery um, in order to compete. And now that's no longer the case. And that recently changed. And so a lot of the trans athletes um, were mad at me for saying that, how come we've never seen a trans athlete win in the past? Well, because the roles changed recently. And so that's, that's <laughs> kind of why. That like it, that makes it interesting. Like not, not that I, I don't care about the Olympics as much anymore. But like, yeah. that, that's, I, I want to see if that's going to be a big storyline. And you, like you said, it's only going to happen if someone just comes out and dominates, um, which could very well happen if that's if the Olympic weightlifting. Like, yeah. that's totally possible. Well, and I think it was Marti I know it was Martina Navratilova that spoke out against it. And I find this sort of funny is. You know, when Martina Navratilova spoke out against this practice, then, you know, a lot of the extremists who have, you know, hinge their identities on supporting this sort of thing attacked her and denounced her. I think she was uh, sort of the uh, LGBTQ plus association that she was part of or associated with. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, discon disconnected from her. Now, here's my thought. It's like people attacking Ellen DeGeneres for hanging out oh with George God. Bush and saying they were friends. Uh, Martina Navratilova and Ellen DeGeneres are two of the most important individuals in the movement to accept in everyday life, in media, in sports, uh, homosexual individuals, LGBTQ plus individuals, and make it acceptable and normal. So mm -hmm. I find it ridiculous that there are people who are attacking these two women who are probably two of the most awesome people for what they've actually done for human rights in that field to then turn around and, and attack them because they didn't their, their, their approach to it is not extreme enough to fit that narrative. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I forgot about the Ellen thing. You can't, I, I don't know, like, uh, look, if you're like trying to push that movement, Ellen's the wrong person to go after. You're exactly. not going to win that battle. Like, even if I'm just talking generalities, like, you don't go up against someone with a knife and they have a fucking machine gun. Like, it's just a dumb, it's just a dumb idea. Like, no one dislikes Ellen. Like, you're not going to convince people <laughs> to not like Ellen. Like, find somebody who doesn't like her. All right. Well, I <laughs> off topic. Completely. I actually, and I admit that I kind of hijacked that one a little bit and, and and talked over it. But I was comfortable doing that because maybe I could get those controversial thoughts out, and then someone can come back and be mad at me. So, Danny, let's give you the floor again. And something I would really like that you had uh, you written about not allowing labels to define people, uh -huh. uh, and not allowing them to steal your control or your power to change your own life. You said. Um, earlier about uh, personal responsibility is the word you use. So labels like obesity being a disease is a good example, allowing people to externalize the blame. So would you expand on these thoughts? Uh, sure. Um, I don't mind labels. I think we all kind of live by labels because they, um, they influence our worldview. Like they help us look through, look at the world through a lens 
And like, if you're a father, that's the lens you look through. If you're a personal trainer, that's the lens you look through. That's your label. It's, it's kind of natural to have a label, but what I'm worried about are the labels that make us victims. So if we are adopting labels that tell us that our obesity is a disease, then is that going to make us less likely to fight against it? Well, when I wrote about that, when I wrote that article that you're mentioning, that was after a study had been done about the terminology making obesity a disease. And it, it kind of, if I remember correctly, this is kind of an old article. I, I remember the study talking about how like people were less likely to take action and um, change their habits, become you know more proficient at fighting against their obesity because of that label, thinking of it as a disease. And that's what bothers me is because I don't think fitness professionals should ever tell people you just have a bigger body. Now you need to embrace it and love it. And this is who you are now. That is bullshit. And I'm sorry, but that is such bullshit because I mean, I think about my own, own parents. Um, when I was growing up, they were both morbidly obese. Okay. So I had a much greater likelihood of becoming exactly like them because I learned all of their habits. And, um, I didn't, I fought like hell to not do that to my body. I love my parents. They're amazing. They're, they guided me intellectually and spiritually, but physically I had to take my own action and carve out my own path. So I'm not going to become a victim of my environment and I'm not going to put labels on myself. Now, my mom also recently lost a lot of weight. She was, um, diagnosed as type two diabetic, right? A couple years ago. And the doctor said, you need this one particular surgery. Um, she had a, a digestive problem and she needed to get this taken care of with surgery. And they said, you have to lose weight in order to do this. Um, and you're going to need to be put on diabetes medication. Well, she decided to take action and not see it as a disease. And she lost so much weight that she weighed less than me because of her decisions and her choices. And it's like, would she have done that if her doctor said, I'm sorry, you are overweight, you are morbidly obese, this is your disease and you are stuck with it. So you should learn to love your body. I don't know, like, I'm just glad that nobody told her that. I agree with you entirely. I think our, our modern society is really good at telling people that, oh, it's not your fault and giving them external things to blame, which like you said, it robs them of their ability to be in control of their outcome. And I have a major issue with that message. Yeah, and I know it's hard to use the word fault, like when you're talking to someone because you don't want them to feel like they did anything malicious or, um, or bad, you know? They just, they listened to what their environment was constantly telling them and said yes to the things that they were constantly offered. So it's not like, people who gain weight are bad people. No, they can be extremely smart. They can be extremely good people with good hearts, but our environment is set up to shove the most hedonistic food in our faces and tell us you should eat as much as you want. And so going against that grain, going against that current is really, really hard. And we're designed to 
say yes to that. Like we didn't like evolutionarily, we didn't know when we were getting a meal. So like if honey came around, you can eat all the honey. And it's just like exactly. everything is Dean, such, Dean got that from the hungry brain by that? Stefan Dane. That actually, well, that's the exact oh. example. That's there. brilliant. Per- perfect example then. It is exactly yeah. example. We well, are and it, no, you first. Yeah. You first. Well, I was just gonna say it's not like I'm I'm not I'm not telling people who are overweight that they need to feel ashamed because these are common choices that are commonly made. But I am saying that you can, um, you can change your course. You can, you can change this. You can turn it around. Here's a more, here's a really good way of looking at it. And it comes from the writings of Brene Brown. If uh, anybody's really interested, she's got a bunch of great And it's distinguishing between guilt and shame, between saying, I did a bad thing and disassociating it from your identity versus saying, I'm a bad person. So right. you can turn around and say, yes, the fact that my lifestyle led to this particular place in my life, I did some bad stuff. I did some stuff that wasn't conducive to a good outcome, but it's not defining who I am. I am not a bad person. So I'm cool with a client feeling a bit guilty about fucking up on something, but I'm definitely not okay with them feeling ashamed of themselves for it. And right. I hope people understand the nuance of that difference. Well, I don't even want to call it like an excuse, but like they don't get an excuse, so to speak. But like you, like Danny was saying, the environment, especially nowadays with Uber Eats and we've gotten into this, is like you're set up for failure. Like that's kind of like foundation number one. You're set up to fuck up. And like generally you're going to fuck up unless you have some form of cognitive oversight. So the default, yeah. Andrew's talked about the default you got to change kind of what your default decision making process is but like at default most people are designed to fail and it's not their fault but it's it, you're still in control of your choices so there is some ownership that needs to happen because as much right. as it sucks you still got to make the hard choice if you want these things and usually yeah. it's fat loss like well if you want fat loss you you can't make the default choice you got to fucking change it exactly oh what what else do we got for we <laughs> oh, oh, I actually like this because we were talking about we were talking about this before. Um, this is going to be a really good one. We want to ask you this. Go. We know lifting weights doesn't make women look bulky. Like, yet the myth still remains. And you've written a lot about how lifting actually makes women look leaner. Would you explain and touch on why we still need to work on on breaking this myth? And I don't know. Did we talk about this before? We did. Be, we did because uh, you guys actually, Tanisha, just took something I wrote on Instagram oh, yeah. and turned it into a meme. And again, it's the cliched women uh you know lifting weights doesn't make women look bulky and then i had said that an overabundance of body fat makes women look bulky and that's probably gonna piss some people off and then i further said a few other things that if you want to go see it just go check out teenage basically there's a myth yeah. the myth is still fucking there so like it's it there with, with your thoughts. <laughs> uh okay so i my you know this perception of what bulky is and what bulky isn't is pretty dang weird you know it's weird to me <laughs> and i think it's because we the three of us live in a lifting microcosm. So if we see a a woman with a significant amount of muscle, we're going to respect her and think she looks awesome. Mm -hmm. She doesn't look bulky. She looks awesome. But uh, women who are outside of lifting, who haven't really been bitten by the bug, they often see that same woman and think, I would rather be fat than have that amount of muscle. And it's weird to me, but it exists. And I, you know, I'm a 5'10", 150 pound female and my BMI is not 
I mean, my BMI is right in the middle of the middle. So I'm not overweight, I'm not underweight, but I am muscular. And I know women who look at me and think she's bulky, that's gross, I don't wanna look like her. And I don't mind that, that's their opinion, that's totally fine. But at the same time, I'm like thinking, okay, so maybe I have been wrong about the perception of bulky because just because when I see a woman who's jacked, I want to be like her, but other women who see a woman who's not that jacked, I mean, I don't think I'm that jacked, but if they see me with the amount of muscle that I have and they're like, ew, gross, and I'm considered bulky, then you have to like accept that perceptions are different and that's okay. What, what do they consider someone who's actually bulky? Because like I would, I would consider you <laughs> lean so like if there's like and i we've seen we're, to her point we have a different no i understand that but like, well, so if they think you're gross they must really think like the the bodybuilder like the ones that are actually like like 180 oh they're terrified of those like gross. they must be terrified is that like i, I guess yeah. i've never heard that so like it's, it's crazy to hear. it's it's very strange but you'll still meet females who think that women who lift are gross yeah. even if they are not what we would consider bulky yeah. and i i recently saw this tweet went viral recently and i think i think people are trying to put like ideas out there that are just mean in order to gain more um mm -hmm. more interaction underneath their tweets so that they can gain more following it's a weird situation but this woman put this out there where she was like, I think women who lift weights look gross. And like, what? you know, the, the, my heart, my little heart just broke and I was like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but, but you know what? That's okay. She is allowed to have that yeah. opinion and I'm allowed to have the opposite opinion yeah. where I think that women who lift look amazing. But, um, it's like, you just don't want to, regardless of what other people think, you don't want to get stuck in that outrage loop where you're outraged about what someone else said, and then they become outraged about your outrage, and then someone else becomes outraged about your outrage about their outrage. So it's like, we just need to be okay with other people having different opinions. It's cool. It's and fine if you think I'm gross. One changing messaging, because I guess, not that, I guess as fitness professionals, we know the inherent benefits of I guess, a fitness, so to speak, lifestyle. You can operate in this world of abundance, more muscles protected, blah, 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 blah. But like, if we, if the messaging is like, I guess, super simple, people aren't going to get it because of that. So you almost have to convince or like, we have to do a better job of representing what it actually means and the benefits outside of just looking quote unquote bulky. Like, and I mean, yeah. like, that's, that's tough. That's tough. The reason why I'm fairly passionate about this particular fight, and, and it is a bit of a fight, is because I struggle with the message of, you know, women lifting weights makes women look bulky because it deters women from doing possibly the yes. healthiest thing they plausibly yeah. could do, which yeah. women are more vulnerable to bone mineral density loss in men as they age, obviously right. blood sugar, blood pressure, and just the, the mental health benefits of exercising. So for me, it's something I feel very passionate about. It's why Especially I wrote as a that, trainer. that yeah. tweet that I did that you guys memed and it blew up. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really, really important. But to Dean's point as well, I think it's super important that we create a positive message and show more women that this looks good, that this is perfectly okay. And, and I'm all right with throwing a little bit of shade at the voices who are shouting it down. And yeah. like, like my message said is like, I think those women are jealous. And I think the men who are telling women that they don't 
they don't think muscle on women is attractive. I think those are weak and insecure and controlling men. And I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, well, and it's a good point. And I, I really like your point about like what happens to us as we age, because, you know, I think our generation of, what are you guys, millennials? I'm, I'm not, don't I, call. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm on the edge. I'm, I'm 87. I'm kind of on the edge too. Like we're, we're probably a little bit older, older than who people perceive as millennials. Yeah. But um, our parents are baby boomers though, right? Yeah. And the baby boomer generation is getting into those older ages where they're starting to see their joints, yeah. um, you know, joint pain, arthritis, all these other things that could be helped tremendously by just having some muscle supporting their frame. And it's, it's scary to me. I want, I do want, um, I want weight training to be seen as more than just a vanity thing, you know? because it is so important, you know, and it's, it's hard for me to tell my parents, go to the gym, please just lift, so hire a trainer. And they don't, they don't want to do that because it's different than what they're used to. My parents are the same way, but they've been inspired to be much more active because a lot of the stuff on my media now is so high profile in the industry that they, they love it. They, they absolutely are crazy proud of it. They think it's the coolest shit ever when That's awesome. articles published. So they're inspired in their own way. They walk a lot, they'll swim. Um, so they're doing really, really well. And I'm super happy about it because yeah, they're both in their late sixties now and classic baby boomer generation. And I, I just really strongly believe that we should do whatever we can to encourage more people, but certainly more women to understand the value of getting stronger because the narrative like the narrative may change like like my parents the same way is like and, and they'll use the excuse like well it was never big when we were at this age so so on and so on but it doesn't change the fact that it's worse for you to be overweight diabetic all these things because you can't handle this world so like your body doesn't give a fuck if you learned about it when you were young like right. it, and that's kind of a, that's a messaging thing but like it's good to see that that's gonna happen but it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward when we turn 70 or like our generation because it is right. more prevalent but and maybe it doesn't make a difference there's also and maybe we are preventing what could possibly happen to us maybe we're maybe weight training is like that preventive measure Mm -hmm. that will keep us from breaking down and you know having all these problems as we age let's hope so well the thing I'm is i'm like, sure it is well but we're fighting the battle of uber eats so it's like evolutionarily yeah. like we're not getting any better but like we're learning about weightlifting and all this stuff but i would say like the hostile environment's getting 10 times worse like diabetes like the healthcare costs in the states are like astronomical and it's not getting better and fitness has gotten bigger but the problem has gotten worse. It's crazy. It still comes down to personal responsibility and not giving people these uh, these labels and excuses yeah. to say it's probably too hard, so don't bother trying. Yeah. Amen. Maybe maybe the biggest loser is going to fix it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, it, it could. If nothing else, and it's it's kind of like the easy things to criticize and, and I suppose CrossFit sort of falls under this umbrella, although I'm actually very pro CrossFit. I don't do it myself, but I think as, as an entity, it's great. And I know T Nation is very pro CrossFit, but maybe we could look at it this way. If the biggest loser is on television, it is still getting people to talk about the fact that, Hey, I should probably lose some weight. I should probably make an effort to be healthier. It is putting it right in front of the public conscience. And it's the people who are sitting down and watching this, often are the same people who aren't active. They're the ones who are sitting in front of the television snacking. So maybe this is something that someone says, well, 
I'm not going to go do that, but I'm going to start getting to the gym. And maybe it changes somebody's life or a lot of lives. Still a bit positive. Yeah, you never know what type of like domino effect something could have, you know, that leads to something else that leads to something else that turns into, um, you know, a lifestyle that's much healthier. As long as no one dies. I think like they're taking diuretics and going on keto and like exercise. I'm sure someone's died watching The Biggest Loser and doing I'm sure. that stuff. Like they someone's someone... died of boredom at least. <laughs> I, I I would love to see this stat. I want to know if someone's died. If anyone, <laughs> because like it ha- someone have, has had to people die from doing stupid shit on Fear Factor, <laughs> like watching like weight loss stuff. It'll be interesting. And yeah, then, but you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yeah, yes. and, and, it, back around. and it comes back to personal responsibility. <laughs> if you see, if you go watch a movie, Jackass, you decide to go down a a steep road, riding in a shopping cart, and something bad happens to you. Right? Oh my it. gosh! But Jackass yeah. is way better than The Biggest Loser. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that was a snippet of time of like, my God, you probably have seen Jackass too. Like that, that was awesome. But like that, that, but that's not helpful to anyone. Like that's the worst show ever. I loved it. Bad fucking. Time. But like then we can rip on fucking Biggest Loser, <laughs> Johnny Knoxville and his. Well, okay, but there's a difference there, because Biggest Loser is pretending True. to yeah. help you with your health and fitness, while Jackass is just for pure entertainment, and they know what they're doing is stupid, and they'll tell you that. They so it's not charading that. as something that's going to help people with their health and fitness. It's not charading, yeah, as a I'll, as fitness advice. <laughs> I'll take this in a slightly side direction because there's been a couple of incidents, and I'll list them off, where you get this mod- this urge for modern social media fame and relevance and people are doing painfully stupid things disruptive things as stunts for instagram following so recently there was a guy i think it was a flight from toronto to jamaica and the flight Uh got disrupted and turned around because some fucking idiot and i'm gonna use that language jumped up with his cell phone recording himself and announced on the plane that he had coronavirus (gasps) this actually happened this is canadian and oh my gosh. We just sentenced, also, I think, Toronto. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with Toronto, where she hucked a chair off a high rise uh, apartment building down onto a street. Didn't hit anybody, but very well could have. Of course, filmed oh. for social media, so the police charged her. You get these, these morons who are resorting to this kind of fucking stupid <laughs> garbage to gain attention, and somehow this is validated. If, if Jackass, is, oh. I know where you're going with this, but if Jackass was like famous now, There'd be so many dead people <laughs> because yeah. of Instagram. before there wasn't Instagram. It's like there was some YouTube people doing dumb shit, and, and like Facebook was kind of just coming out. But like there was no incentive to doing this stuff other than getting fucked up. Where now you can get a hundred thousand followers if you if you put your coronavirus webcam video or uh, cell phone video up. I'm like, I, I really hope that what they end up doing is that guy is a permanent no fly list for the rest of his life. I hope they charge him, and I hope they sue him and find him for the amount of money that it costs to turn that plane around and all the disruption. So it, I think they just got to crack down real hard on these morons and hopefully this shit will stop. No, not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> there's not a plot. There's no way that that's going like, to, it's too attractive to gain a following because like the, the, I, I guess the popularity of it, it's so vast. And like, there is actual money attached to it. Like if you get a big following and you learn how to monetize it, like you're rich. And I, like, but I wonder real. about that though, because like if you pull a really stupid stunt and then it goes viral, do you have to keep up your stunts in order to continue having Absolutely. that following? For sure. 
like look at the is the big fat Jew. Like he has to do his that's that's his name like on Instagram. And like now he owns a company, Paris Hilton, for like a wine company. But I've seen you know, his yeah, I've seen he, his page. He has to do a, like and it's gotten different now because it's more ad based. But like he had to do a bunch of dumb and like really gross comedy stuff to like get famous. He needed to keep upping the ante, but it did work. But I, I don't think you can really you can't. Let's, it's you, just like, you, do, you can't get better than the coronavirus on the airplane. Like, there's no step above that. Like, oh, <laughs> you're done. Like, you're at the top. <laughs> that just makes me cringe so much. And I can't, I don't know how you guys watch that stuff. Like, I, I mean, even watching like impractical jokers, I'm like hiding in a corner, like, no, that's a socially awkward thing to do. So, like, I can't even handle that, let alone like crazy stunts that actually people put people in physical danger. I think part of the problem is the the rise of narcissism as a trait in our society. And there's a lot of theories as to what the cause is and whether or not Instagram, you know, to what degree Instagram plays a role. It certainly does, whether or not it's cause or effect, but yeah, are uh, a byproduct of it, of the rise of it. But you get these kind of people who just have no idea of the consequence of doing something that stupid. Well, the coronavirus guy didn't actually understand the the. The legality and like the, the sense of weight of what he did he was just yeah. like oh i didn't like i just thought it'd be funny to like get like a good instagram video and like he was dead serious they should they should actually put him on a plane to wuhan province in china and leave him <laughs> over there that would be a good function oh yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that is so bad it's just i don't know i, I know this has nothing to do with fitness but it kind of does it's like the same bullshit. all right before we wrap this up danny any anything on your mind anything burning a hole in your soul you wanted to share with us or, or talk about oh um i don't know i have a new podcast <laughs> it's kind of fun let's let people let's remind people how to find that too because I think the dedicated podcast listener is always interested in, in finding something new. So yeah, tell us about that and then just make sure people know where to find you on social media. Okay. So social media is just my name, Danny Sugar, D-A-N-I-S-H-U-G-A-R-T. And um, as far as like the podcast goes, it's called Fit Pants, which is really weird. I know, but I know once all the names are taken, like there's really nothing. I mean, you have to start getting creative. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So fit pants, pretty easy to spell and, uh, look that up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, go check it out seriously. And then uh, I'll also remind people too, you know, if you're not regularly reading T nation, Danny writes articles on there. She's not just the editor. So, you know, check that stuff out. And, uh, I, I like to grab onto really great, female uh, strength coaches and trainers because not as many women grab on to putting themselves out there in terms of training knowledge. Uh, we've had people like Erica Suter and Savon Fagan on uh, semi-recently. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. And then we've got uh, actually Sohee Lee and Jill Coleman. Awesome. It goes according to plan. They're back together in an episode in the very near future. It's probably like two weeks from now uh, that you guys will hear it. Uh, we're recording it next week and, and I love Sohee, I love Jill. That sounds like a lot of fun. That should be fun. And I really believe that it's important for, you know, female fitness professionals to have great role models uh, because there's sometimes just a woman saying it just carries a little bit more weight sometimes than, you know, hearing the same advice for a man because of the experience you guys have had. And, uh, and our industry needs to do a little bit more to, you know, to take those hardworking individuals and put them out there because our industry for a very long time has been pretty heavily male dominated. So it still is. Yeah, I think that's changing though too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good. Yeah, guys, so go check that out, please. And uh, Danny, thanks so much again for coming and chat with us. Uh, it's been great staying online. We'll uh, talk a little bit and um, to the audience. Guys, thanks for week over week coming in and checking us out. If you're fairly new, uh, go through our library. Danny's been on before, so go check that out. Yeah, Chris has been on here. If you want to hear it, you want to, you want to hear not politically correct. That one was fun. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of uh, other current and former Teen Nation writers have been our guests, uh, you know, for the last two and a half years. So uh, thanks for being with us. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.